Hey, podcast listeners, Adam and John here. Before we jump into the next episode, we want to let you know about the 2018 Church Leaders Conference that's happening April 24th through 26th here at Watermark in Dallas. If you've enjoyed what we've been discussing here on the podcast, then we are confident that you are going to find the Church Leaders Conference incredibly valuable. So this conference is designed to encourage, inspire people just like you church leaders. It's not just senior pastors, but it's also student pastors, executive pastors, the finance team, and really any kind of volunteer leader in the church or anyone who loves their church and leads in it. So you can come by yourself, but I'd really encourage you to grab a whole team as we try to spur one another on to excel wherever God has us on our mission. So as an added bonus, we're pretty sure this conference has some of the best conference food you'll ever eat. So to learn more, head over to churchleadersconference.com. That's churchleadersconference.com. Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, how are we doing? Hey, Adam. Really excited about today. Uh, we have got Kyle Kegler and Rob Berry, two point leaders, our main point leaders at our Plano campus. And uh, Kyle was my very first boss here at uh, Watermark another lifetime ago, and Rob was uh, on my team when he started. And so super excited to have uh, these guys uh, with us. So Kyle and Rob, why don't you guys introduce yourselves and tell uh, the audience a little bit about your uh, story? Yeah, well, great to be with you guys uh, and mostly just to be around the table with friends. But uh, uh, my story at Watermark on staff, at least, has been that I can't hold a job. I have been the small groups guy. I've been the children's guy. I've been the external focus guy. I've been the family ministry guy and now, uh, now the Plano campus pastor. So yes, I've been married for 26 years. I have three daughters twins that are seniors uh, in college and a sophomore in college. So we are in year two of Empty Nest, and it's spectacular. Rob, go ahead, bud. Uh, I'm Rob Berry, and I serve right now um, under Kyle and with Kyle. You know, came on here in 2007 and have served in a couple different roles on the marriage team, kind of getting our coffee shop here, which is a mission, a beachhead here, um, just to engage kind of uh, um, people around us, and then have served as a community director for the majority of that time. And then for the last three years up in Plano with Kyle. So it's been a blast and um, it's been the best 10 years of my life. Less than I've been married for 16 years. We have um, three boys that are clones of each other and a little girl. So that age from anywhere from three to 11. So and and Leslie house. was instantly into you, right? She was all about you the first time she met oh you. Oh my gosh. She was, you know, she had to remind me, you are in my space right now. I'm kind of a close talker. Um, this microphone is not close enough and I'm basically eating it right now. But she she had to, she had to keep backing up. She's like, you're my space. She I asked her out twice and um, she said no. And um, I remember looking at my roommate saying, I guess my vibe meter is just off right now because I thought this girl liked me. Well, anyway, I remember my roommate looking at me and just saying, just wait, she'll be back around. And it took about a year, but she she said, hey, I'll go out with you. Let's there do you this. Go. It's Love such it. a fine line between creeper and, uh, and romantic. <laughs> Persistent. Yeah. The only reason this story is not weird is because they're married. <laughs> if they were, I mean, if you had not gotten married, I'd be this would crazy, be a whole other podcast yeah. on discipline. I'd and, be the crazy boyfriend yeah. or the crazy wannabe kind of boyfriend. This one guy. Yeah. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about something that may sound a little bit strange for this being a church leadership podcast, but nonetheless, it's a really important topic and we're going to be talking about how to lead yourself spiritually. So Scott, Kyle, why don't we just start off with you to start our discussion 
why is this even a topic that we need to discuss? Well, I would just say kind of Proverbs 4, 23 is the scripture that kind of guides my life on this. And it's above all else, guard your heart because it determines the course of your life. And so I think it's really important to pay attention uh, to your soul just because for anybody that's leading in a church, there are so many temptations that move you away from what your your core mission is, which is to glorify God, to advance his kingdom, in our case, through the church. And if you're not paying attention to your soul, uh, there's all kinds of issues that come. So that really is the core issue for me. And it affects, like I said, how you glorify God, how you help your church, how you love and care for people. It affects everything. You know, when, when Jesus says, apart from you, do nothing, I think we just, all of us, we all think we're the exception to the rule. And um, we we can just get deluded that nothing really means something, and we would never say that. But practically, you know, and all that word abiding means is just being connected, listening to, similar to you know a branch to a tree, or a vine to a branch. And um, we just think, hey, we based on our giftedness, our experience, you know, the fact that we've seen this pattern over and over and over, we're smart enough to figure it out. And that's not really the goal of the Christian life. The goal of the Christian life is dependency and, and listening to the God of the universe. That's good. good. So I, would, I would add one thing, John, if I can. I would just say, you know, our priorities so easily get confused between our walk with Christ, how do we lead our family, how do we do our ministry. And I think this really matters, spiritual leadership, and being able to discern when we get off track. Like we're starting to prioritize something that's more important than it should be. And by paying attention to the state of our soul, I kind of think that keeps us on the rails uh, and able to re- reprioritize or adjust along the way. That's good. So before we move off this this one point, Kyle, any, any other thoughts on why why this matters? I know you've got some thoughts that I think are really, really helpful. Yeah, I, I think it just, you know, I, I use three Bs, which is, is kind of crazy, but I, I just think people, uh, they bug out or they burn out or they blow out are the three B's that I think about. And so burnout is you just, you get to the place where you're just not passionate and you don't care about what you're doing anymore. Uh, Bug out is you just kind of take off and leave all your responsibilities. We hear stories all the time that pastors just kind of disappear from their responsibilities. And then blow out is you have some kind of, whether it's an addiction, pornography, or um, you're not paying attention to your marriage, whatever that is. But those things, if over the long term, if you don't pay attention to your soul here, there there is a catastrophe coming. And uh, I just think it's important that all along the way, we're paying attention to our soul. And we'll talk about how we do that you know, in a few minutes. But I, I think it's really important for those reasons, just to protect you from those dangers. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's go ahead and do that right now, Kyle. So talk about what you guys do um, to kind of lead yourself spiritually. What are some of the, the tactical things, the, the practical ideas, and kind of some of your rhythms? Sure. Well, I, you know, Adam knows because we spend a lot of time together that uh, I can do really well with intake and not really great, you know, on the outputs. So, you know, the outputs might be journaling, engaging people around Jesus, prayer, kind of all those things. And so I just always need to be aware of, hey, this comes really easy to me. But um, if I'm just intaking, I'm going to be spiritually constipated, and that nobody wants to. Have be we ever used that word on the no, podcast? No, I haven't. Uh, can you uh, explain that a little bit more? What, what does that look like? Yes, yeah, that's a first. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> that is good. Spiritual. Where you, you just your mind just becomes filled and filled and filled and filled and filled, but you're not you're just not working it out. And so I know for me, when I 
I can't even say that. I know for me that I feel the most alive when I am engaging people around Jesus. And I would not say I have the gift of evangelism by any means, but that's where I just feel like, okay, Lord, you've got, you've got to show up here. You know, one of the things that's been just eye-opening this week is just the simplicity of what Mark talks about in Mark chapter 3, where he just says he appointed the 12 that they might be with him and then he might send them out to preach. And so I think a lot of us get derailed and we just think, hey, the goal is to just be doing ministry. And it's like, no, 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 Jesus appointed his 12. He's calling you to be a disciple first and foremost to be with him. So what that looks like for me is um, I wake up every morning, my alarm goes off at 5.15 because um, three of my four would love to get up before 6.30. And um, once they're up, it's like you need a bar or cereal or milk is spilled, all that stuff. So my routine is pretty um, consistent. I'll get up. I usually get to my treadmill by 5.30 every morning with a good cup of coffee. And um, on my treadmill, really from 5.30 to 6, that's where I just do verse memory. And I spend the majority of my time just... um, you know, memorizing new things or just reciting old things that I memorize. So that's kind of my warm up there, which is really good. Then I usually go to my sofa for a second cup of coffee. And then I think that's where probably the most important part of my entire morning happens. And it's it's probably the shortest part. And that's really where I prepare to open up God's word for something new. And I, I've um, really been shaken by Luke 24, where Jesus has been resurrected. He's on the road to Emmaus. And look, there's a ton of theology stuff going on there, but but just a simple takeaway for me is he is with his disciples that he's been with for the last three years, and they cannot recognize him until he opens their eyes. And then, you know, the next paragraph, he's with his disciples now, and he opened their eyes so that they could see the scriptures. And I know this is before Pentecost, before the disciples have the Spirit, but it's just a simple takeaway for me. Before I open up God's Word, I just want to pray, just, Lord, unless you open my eyes right now, I cannot see you. I can't listen to you. I can't be connected to you in the way you want. And um, I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want just information for the purpose of it. I, I want to know you. Where, where, what Paul talks about in Philippians 3.10, where my aim or my, you know, my goal is to know him. So that preparation for me is kind of what happens. And then really, I'm in my Bible you know, for the next 30 minutes till kids start wearing me out. So, so that's great. That's a great example. I love, love those tangible, practical. So Kyle, how about for you? What, what does this look like for you? Yeah, you I think one yourself? of the things we've always got to pay attention to is my stage of life is different than Rob's, right? I don't have kids in the house. So I, I've got a little more freedom uh, than Rob does. But I, the way that I think about leading myself spiritually is really with four different alliterations. And so devote daily, withdraw weekly, migrate monthly, and abandon annually. And so that's just an easy way. I don't do that perfectly, but it's just a structure that kind of lives in my head and heart that allows me uh, to stay in rhythm with God, I would say. And so uh, my devotional time uh, is morning also. Uh, doesn't start as early it Rob, as Rob does. I get up a little later. Um, but it consists really of the first thing, and what I found to be most important for me is before I ever open God's Word, I open my journal. And I just say, speak, Lord, for your servant 
is listening or good morning, Lord, what do you have to teach me today? And what that does, it just gives, just reminds me constantly that this is not information. This is about intimacy over information. And at that point, um, I usually will just in my journal, hey, Lord, here are the things that are on my heart today. Like before I even open God's word, here are the distractions, here are the things that I want to pray about, and I'll spend some time praying about those things. Uh, and then I will, uh, I'll open God's word, spend my time in whatever thing that I'm doing uh, that day, and uh, then then I'm done. That 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 the great thing is it's kind of open ended on how long I spend for me, but it's mostly mornings. And then a discipline I want to do consistently that I don't do consistently is close my day with the Lord, just ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and. Anytime I do it, I'm thankful I've done it, but I can't sit here today and tell you that's a discipline that I have mastered by any means. Yeah, it's so both of you guys, it's so good. So the reason we asked these two guys uh, on the podcast is, you know, I think a lot of times, uh, oversimplistically, people categorize um, the world, or they, they divide the world into two categories, the beers and the doers. And Adam, I think today we're sitting with uh, two guys who really are both. And yeah. um, and so that's what I have appreciated is you guys have not given up being as you have done everywhere you've been. Kyle, I was with you today in a meeting, and I was just, I told you guys, I love the activation chip that God gave you. You know, Kyle is always making stuff happen. So he doesn't wear a brown robe at like a monk and sit around and pray. I mean, Kyle is a doer, uh, but very much a beer. And I remember things like, you know, I'd ask you, hey, what'd you do last night? And you're like, I was just walking around. Um, I don't know if you remember this. I was walking around the neighborhood and I had my Bible and I would just pull up every time I came to a street light. I'd read another few verses and I'd walk, uh, I'd walk up to another uh, street light and things like that. So it, uh, one thing is we talk about how to, how to do this. I, I think it's just important to know you, you, you can do this and still get stuff done. You can still lead. You can still do. These aren't mutually exclusive. And I think for both of you, uh, it has been this abiding, it has been this um, you know, leading yourself spiritually that really has kind of given you the energy uh, to do as much as you uh, have. It, don't, it doesn't work against uh, each other. It really is the thing that feeds uh, your energy and your ability to get stuff done. Yeah, I think it's the source and foundation of all of that, right? And so my temptation is that the doing, uh, the amount of stuff I have to do can overwhelm my soul at times. And that's when I get in trouble, right? Is I'm doing too much. My ditch is uh, that I, um, I under-prioritize time with the Lord because of doing, which I think is, a, is um, representative of a lot of pastors, right? Too much doing and not enough being, which is a problem for me. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, and no, I think I've loved, I don't think we've said this um, yet, but I've loved, it's been really easy to work for Kyle because I mean, he wears our staff out with who you are with Jesus is way more important than anything you're ever going to do for him. And so just to sit under that kind of leadership has just been refreshing. And um, you can tell pretty quick when you're just looking at our staff, you know, Kyle and I are on the org chart or oversee, you know, quite a few people. You can see pretty quick when the weathering starting to set in. And, um, and so just to remind people, you know, when we talk about, hey, it's a leader's job to define expectations. And so, um, you know, our expectations we have for our staff are if you're married, that is your first ministry, your kids, your spouse, and um, and you need to be with Jesus. You know, everything else, it'll work itself out. You know, if we need to, we need to work on tactics, we can work on tactics. But apart from you prioritizing those two things, 
it's just going to be really hard um, to be a leader here. One tactical thing I that helps me in the morning because I get really distracted is I just have like a work journal or maybe a post-it note and everything that pops in my mind that doesn't have to do with what I'm trying to do right there, which is to, to listen to Jesus. Um, task. It could be you need to assemble this shelf at your house or whatever. I just write down all those things in a separate journal so I don't get distracted and start going down rabbit trails there. So I can just have a set time where I'm listening to Jesus. That's been really helpful. Really, that's a great, great tip. Kyle, um, I, I can remember a time back, I don't know, maybe five years ago when you you felt like you had to kind of withdraw just a little bit. And I don't know if all the, the gauges were uh, where they needed to be in your own soul. Do you, do you mind talking about that that season and what no, you did? No, I'm glad to. Um, I, I, I mean, I think we can just call it what it is. Like I was burned out, right? I think is is what that was. And I think as I looked back on it, there were a couple of things. One, I was spending a ton of time. Um, I actually uh, the get the leadership here at the church put me in charge of a children's building, right? And I'd never built a doghouse right before <laughs> in my life, right? And so all of a sudden, I've got to learn a new language. I've got to lead a group of people on building something I have no idea what to do. And so I dove into that, and I learned the language, and I had to learn that along the way. But three years later, I got to the end of it, and I'd been spending whatever the time is, 50% or whatever, doing something that was completely outside of my giftedness. So that was one thing that was a problem. The second thing is I was working a ton, right? I was working a ton of hours doing my regular job uh, at the time, which was the family ministry director. Uh, but then also I was, I was, had this building to take care of. And I looked up, you know, a couple of months after we opened this building and I'm like, I've got nothing left, right? I'm short with my family. I don't look forward to spending time with Jesus. Uh, I'm a people person all the way. And even being with good friends didn't make sense to me. And so um, I, I, ju- I just, it was burned out because I did those two things. It's really good. So, so you did uh, with that. What or what would you do with that, Kyle? Yeah. So I would just say I kind of went to my leadership and I just kind of confessed. First of all, I just said, "Hey guys, I'm I'm burned out. Right? I I think I'm uh, and something needs to change." And so I just I asked them ahead of time. I asked for permission and I just said, "Hey guys, I need to change the pace of my life here uh, for the next couple of months if I can." And, and they were great. They understood, they listened. And so I just really, I worked a ton uh, less during probably my slowest couple of months of the year. And then I really doubled down with Jesus. And so the way I kind of worked through that was I would spend, um, you know, I don't know, anywhere from three to four hours in the morning uh, with the Lord, just kind of processing really those two things. Hey, what am I good at? What am I gifted at? Then I spent a lot of time just working on what are my ditches in my life? What are the things that I go to, right? And I tried to get I tried to get crystallization on what those were. So I came out of those two months having kind of doubled down with Jesus, having much more clarity about what I'm good at and what my issues are. So that I could, I could hand any of you guys right now two pieces of paper and you would know, hey, if I was gonna hire this guy, this is what I'm gonna get you know, this stuff that's on this sheet of paper, and I'm going to know the good side of what am I gonna, I'm going to get as well. So that's what I did. I love the first thing you said, which is I just confessed. And, you know, usually when we're talking about the spiritual life, it's about, it's about the input, right? Are you praying enough? Are you doing all these things enough? And I think what I've just seen in the last 10 years, that nothing gets well outside of that confession. And just, I think it's the hardest for church leaders because we're expected to have this, you know, quote unquote, amazing spiritual life. But um, 
you know, whether it's, you know, James 5, whether it's 1 John of living in the light, whether it's confessing and renouncing from Proverbs, this idea of bringing other people in, we think there's a path to healing and a path to moving away from burnout, even if it's been like a week. Like, hey, I have not opened up God's word. I've not been diligent to pray. You know, it's been a week. I think we we the best thing we can do is um, kill reputation idolatry in our life or reputation worship. We're so concerned of how that's going to look when we actually bring something to light. And usually we just think just of sin and bringing that into light and what's that going to do? How are they going to view me here? But I think it's just as much if if you're not, you know, walking with Jesus, abiding with Jesus, in taking God's word for yourself, we need to let other people in on that. That's the path to healing. And we always think, back to you always think you're the exception to the rule, we always think there's another path and God's just pretty clear. We've got to live in the light. That's how we kind of get back on track with other people. So you guys, Rob, you mentioned earlier the, uh, you know, you can start to tell around your staff when things are, people are starting to wither. So unpack that a little bit, because I think as leaders, we not only take care of ourselves, and we're really focused on how you lead yourself spiritually, but I think it's worth it just to do a little sidetrack here. How, how can you spot that yeah. in teams that you're leading that maybe they're not yeah. leading themselves well? Well, I, I'm going to confess your sins along with mine. I think you and I are very similar because, you know, we spend a lot of time together. But I I think one of the first signs is people just get, you and I both get really critical of others and um, weary and tired. But I think just being critical of, of others, that's the first red flag that I see, you know, with you and me and others around me. And, um, but also just when people kind of, kind of are stuck in the same cycle and they're using the same language. Sometimes that'll show up in marriages, but um, that's usually the first red flag. And, and usually, my first ask of them is, "Hey, tell me, tell me what? Um, not what you've been reading out of God's Word, because look, the Pharisees had the Bible memorized. What What do you feel like God's telling you from His Word right now?" And so I want to I want to be specific and from His Word. But um, you know, as you've been listening, to Jesus, what do you, what do you feel like you've been hearing? And usually, it's man, I haven't done a good job with that. Yeah, and so be, um, become an indicator for you. So you can see the critical spirit. You can ask them some questions and and see yeah, some things. I, Kyle, what else do you see? Yeah, and I think part of that is folks will generalize with you. You ask them how they're doing. They'll they'll give you the fifty thousand foot view. Well, I'm kind of struggling with this, but they're not willing to kind of really go deep. And I think when you're when you're getting those generalized answers, I think that's a sign that you need to just kind of double click into that uh, generalized answer and find out what's specifically going on. And that's real. That's hard for all of us. We we all lead people sitting around this table right here, and to kind of go for the details sometimes feels really hard. But I think it's really important. I think when you're caring for your staff, uh, you know, and if it's with another gal, right, you want to have somebody else in the room with you and all that kind of stuff. But I do think you want to double click into kind of generalizations. Yeah, there's a great, um, you know, whenever when people approach Jesus in the scriptures, they either want to kill him or they they have a response where they're just like, have mercy on me. You know, they, they see Jesus for who he is and it produces this confessional this is who I am. And so I know like for Kyle and I, it, Kyle does a great job creating a very safe place to confess sin. So that's in our staff meetings. It is normal for our staff. You know, Kyle knows where I've blown it over the last couple of weeks. We don't need to get on into those things. Well, you already here. confessed Adam's sins. So right. Yeah, already I, confessed confessed your sin. I think I know him, but Kyle, what, let's compare our list. <laughs> but when I'm meeting with guys that are kind of down line of me, org chart wise, um, you know, it's it's expected that you're gonna you're gonna give me a realistic picture of your life, and I'm gonna give you a realistic picture of my life. And when guys aren't doing that, 
I know they probably haven't been around holiness. So let me ask you this then, guys that are, or people that are listening right now that are leading on a staff. So let's just talk real quickly here about staff members. Is this, if somebody is not leading themselves spiritually, they're on staff at a church, is this a fireable offense? Like, is this a discipline issue if they're not doing that? Yeah, I, I don't think that alone is fireable. I, th- I think an unwillingness to change and work on it is fireable, is what I would say. I, I, I think we have a responsibility to press in. And if somebody says, hey, I hadn't spent time with the Lord for a season here, I, I think that's serious, that I haven't been in my Bible. I haven't been talking to other people about my spiritual life. I think that's a really big deal. And so, but look, for me, somebody's on my staff. I said, hey, let's talk about that. Let's put a plan in place. And, you know, let's check in with each other in a couple of weeks or three weeks or next week or whatever that is. And then I think there's a continued pattern of uh, not practicing the disciplines and being with Jesus. At some point, I think that is fireable. Yeah, I think where I'd go, you know, in God's word is um, just First Thess 5, and where he just says, warn the idle brother. Now, that word idle means undisciplined, which makes me very uncomfortable. You know, and so somewhere between First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, where he just says, "Have nothing to do with the idle brother or the undisciplined brother." Um, you know, so I would say there's a long road there, but um, you know, at some point, if you're not walking with Jesus, it's like, hey, nothing is not good. That's not good for you. That's not good for people around you, and you can't lead apart from listening to your commander in chief, Jesus. So, um, and you know, I I don't want to get pigeonholed in our culture and, you know, our century where we have a Bible, we have like six Bibles in every house, right? So what do you do before Gutenberg Press and all that stuff where people don't have their own Bible to read and to intake God's Word? You know, that's where I just go to, hey, just show me, you know, those same people that are not in God's Word. I'm like, well, hey, just tell me how you've applied the homily this week. If you're in a liturgical, you got a five-minute homily in a liturgical service, Hey, tell me how that's changed your life. The Word of God in a homily has changed your life. And usually um, what you'll find is they just don't want to apply God's Word. Yeah. And And for the record, he has said spiritual constipation and homily. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Two two first. Two. Two first. We've never had these on the podcast, so you are definitely (laughs) coming back, I'm so sorry. That is amazing. (laughs) Can't wait till next time. Can't wait till next time. Really, really good stuff. You know, I think... Uh, just practically, you know, Adam, you frame this up as you know, if you're leading others um, on, um, you know, on the staff, it's not your job to make sure. I think that everybody is, uh, you know, their, their walk with God is 100 uh, percent solid and tight. But I do think you play a role, um, and so just just small things, whatever it, whatever your meeting rhythms um, look like, you know, to to start a meeting uh, with what's everybody, you know, what's everybody learning from God's word. And that might feel like a little bit like, you know, uh, high school or college ministry, but that's still really effective to a, to, to find out what, what's coming out, um, you know, of those you lead and also just to model. Hey, here's, here's something, uh, Kyle, I remember you doing this really, really well. This is, this is what, um, man, I feel like God is wearing me out on this one issue and just kind of modeling that. We we just take it for granted uh, a lot of times that everybody knows exactly what it looks like, um, you know, to sit with Christ and to abide and to uh, read the scriptures and let, you know, Rob, you talked about apply, but but they don't. And so I think you can really uh, model that as part of your leadership. It's not just getting stuff done. It's not having great um, programs or great ministries or great whatever. Um, it's making sure that everybody... Uh, that are on your teams, their their walks with Christ are, are really solid, and you look for uh, the unique role that you have uh, to play, kind of in, in their life. So, 
Um, do you have anything else, Kyle? Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that's the great thing about being on staff here. I think one of the things that Todd has done in setting culture here is every single person is expected to be ready to give that response to what God's teaching me uh, in the last day or two at any moment. So you can go into a staff meeting and Todd may say, hey, Jim Jones, why don't you uh, tell us what you're learning uh, in the scriptures today. Are you John McGee? What are you? And so I always walk into staff meeting. I've been around this place for 18 years, and there's a little angst about I better have an answer, right, for what God's teaching me. And I think that has filtered down all the way through. So I don't have any hesitancy with my team, right, saying, hey, what's God teaching you today? And folks are generally ready to go, right? And I, I think it's awesome. And I, here's what I would tell you too, con- confession here is there's times I walk into those meetings and my head and heart aren't right, right? I've got a ton of other things on my mind and on my heart, but usually to-do list stuff. And it doesn't matter if it's the person that was hired two days ago that's telling what God is touching that, that moves my heart back to the right place. It gets me, when you start those meetings with scripture, it reminds me, I'm not in charge. This is not about me. And I'm subservient to the Lord of the universe and whatever he wants to do today, that's what I want to do. So starting those meetings with that is really, really helpful. That's good. Let me me ask you guys a question. Um, Being a pastor, is that helpful? Does it make it easier to um, to abide and lead yourself spiritually, or does it make it more difficult uh, for you? Well, I remember when I was, um, you know, in the coffee world, uh, I the thought coffee world. in the coffee world. You, <laughs> that sounds like, uh, you know, I don't know, I, I've got you down in Columbia with like four <laughs> plantations. Is that yes, what you mean? No, uh, I mean world? a um, retail coffee shop Okay, great. <laughs> that you and I would recognize. Um, I remember thinking that pastors had all this time just to come through Greek and Hebrew and parse verb, <laughs> you know. And what I realized, which has been the craziest thing ever, is I have less time now than I ever had working 60, you know, plus hours a week in a coffee shop managing a coffee shop and that's crazy to me. And so I just I just have to remind myself that if I don't do this early, this will not happen. And um you know, it's crazy. I think two things continue to surprise me even today 10 years, you know, on staff here. And the the first is how, you know, kind of quote unquote when I clock in at work, when I walk in the doors, I I almost never open up the Bible for myself. I mean, it might be once every couple months for an hour or 30 minutes, you know? And um, it's like, hey, if I haven't done business with the Lord, it's not going to happen when I'm quote-unquote clocked in. And the second thing that surprises me is um, how I can go through my entire day. Remember, the goal is not information. The goal is abiding and connecting with Jesus and dependency. I can go through my whole day as a pastor, crank out emails, you know, answer all these phone calls and what should we do and all these sticky scenarios, and because of pattern recognition and gifts, like we talked about earlier, I, I can go through my whole day without asking, Jesus, this is your sheep. Your spirit is in them. What What do you want me to say to them? You know, where I'm depending on him as a pastor. And um, so those two things are crazy. I would say it is harder to abide with Jesus as a pastor. 
Kyle, what would you say? Yeah, I think it's really, really funny. So May 14th, 2000, I was on staff with a parachurch organization, and I was not qualified to counsel people. May 15th of 2000, I was on staff in a church, and all of a sudden, I'm qualified to counsel. It's amazing what right? an email address will do, right? Yes, <laughs> and, and that's crazy, right? And I would agree with Rob. I would just say, I think it's harder uh, because it's expected uh, that you that you do that, but I, I feel like, and I would say, we can fool us fool ourselves into thinking that that people's ministry needs are more important than us taking care of our soul, right? And that this is more important, and this is more important. And the reality is, if I'm not feeding myself, I've got nothing to offer those people that are that are knocking on my door. Yeah, we see that. I mean, we've all been on airplanes. I was on one yesterday, and. We see that example every time, right? What do they tell you to do? The safety procedures that we're all ignoring and what are you supposed to do with the airbag that that comes down or the oxygen yeah. mask? You're supposed to put it on yourself first before you help somebody else, which right. sounds counterintuitive, sounds selfish, but it really is. If, if you don't have your source of oxygen secured, you are going to be worthless to be able to help anybody else. And and I think that's what, what the Lord is calling us yeah. to do there. And so I, I think I would agree with, with both of you guys. Um, I think there is, what's been shocking to me is uh, how there's been parts of, uh, I'll just call it this this craft um, that has made it a little more difficult. And I think one, I honestly think one of the things um, that's working against us is the familiarity with the topic. And so this is something that we, um, you know, we we traffic in the things of the spirit and it's, it's what we do professionally rather than, I can remember, you know, buying a commentary and going home and opening opening it and just having this incredible, um, you know, experience just studying God's word. And now, you know, I can grab that same commentary because uh, in a couple of days I've got to give a talk. And so this is just part of, uh, you know, part of the, part of the craft is part of the profession. You know, I know how to zip, zip through um, different, you know, uh, resources or tools or those kind of things. And so I, I do think there's a familiarity that can work uh, against us. I, also think there's some uh, really tremendous upsides um, that I've got to remember, you know, so uh, that same example of teaching, um, of preparing a sermon, there's something pretty cool that happens when you have to wrestle through that. Uh, for me, it slows me down in a way that I wouldn't probably do uh, otherwise, as well as just some of the uh, the pastoral situations that I find myself um, into, you know, Rob, I agree. There's sometimes you go, I've seen this a hundred times before. Here's the three verses, do this, you know, um, call me if you need me. And then there's some times that I'm way in over my head and, uh, and I get to go home and go, God, unless you show up, like I've got nothing. And I love, I love the, uh, the ways that, um, you know, being a pastor puts me, um, in this position. But I, I hear a lot of guys will kind of say, well, the reason they burned out or the reason they don't walk um, with Christ as they should because there's something inherent in uh, you know in this role as a pastor. And I always just want to push back on that. I, I really do think if we're burned out, if we're thin with Jesus, or we're not abiding, it's not the church's job. Uh, or it's, not, it's not the church's fault. It's not uh, something about the position. It's that we have not led ourselves. I remember in seminary, I remember guys going, boy, this place burned me out, or this place took away my love for Jesus. And I, you know, I would just say, hey, kindly, I disagree. I think it was you, you know, and, and, and I would tell them, if if I come out of this place uh, weird and obtuse and uh, with no love uh, for God, it won't be the seminary's fault. It will be one person's fault, my own, that I've not led myself.
Well, good. well, as we start to wind this down, what what would you guys say to somebody that's sitting there listening right now and they're going, hey, I think I'm burned out. I think that's the category I'm in right now. By the grace of God, there hasn't been a blowout yet. I haven't bugged out, but I, I think I'm losing that energy and I just don't feel like going on. What what would you guys say to encourage that person? What should they do? I think I'd start where Kyle did, you know, we've already mentioned, which is um, bring that into the light. Let other people in. Um, who can encourage you? You know, we if Hebrews three thirteen, you know, encourage each other today or daily, as long as it's called today, so that you won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I think just allowing other people in, people can't love you apart from knowing reality in your life. They can't. Everything's just generic. They can't encourage you specifically, care for you specifically, warn you specific. I mean, all those things are really dependent on. Do I have an accurate picture of Kyle Kegler's life or Adam Tarno's life? And so I think that's where you've got to start. And that's the, I think that's the hardest part. Are you willing to uh, allow people to see what's really going on in your life and really tell people, hey, I need help right now and I need Jesus? Kyle, yeah. what Yeah, and then I just say, then you've got to courageously adjust, right? So you've got to change something. And I, I couldn't agree with John Moore. It's not the church's fault. It wasn't the fact they asked me to build that building. You know, you know, it wasn't anybody's fault but mine because I wasn't paying attention to my soul. And so you've got to change something. Confess and then commit to changing and developing a new plan. And I think spending time identifying, hey, what was it that caused me to get to this place and being able to know what that is so it didn't happen again? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, if you're at a culture that can't handle that kind of confession, I'd say either reform it or you need to get out. You know, because confession, all all that is, is that's obedience. And so whenever anybody confesses sin, I just want to look at them, no matter how crazy it is, and we've been around some crazy confession, um, I just want to go, thank you. Thank you for modeling what it looks like to follow Jesus. Even if it, you know, is to my expense, thank you for loving me enough to tell me the truth. That's awesome. And, you know, when when it talks about in Galatians 6, 1, you know, restore, you know, if someone's caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently. That's if they're caught. That's not even confessing sin. And so how much more gentle should I be if someone is being obedient to what Jesus has called us to do, which is confess and live in the light? It's like, and so if you have a culture that is not responding with gentleness, then you got to reform the culture. You got to get out of it. That's great. Yeah, First John one, you know, seventeen nine says, if we walk in the light, uh, we have fellowship with one another. It's basically First John seven. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And so, when we confess and walk in the light, it makes relationships work, right? And I, I just think that's really, really important as we're thinking about going forward. That's great. Well, Kyle and Rob, this has been such a helpful conversation. Thank you so much for being here today and uh, leading us through this conversation. So, John, before we go, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, well, just again, I echo uh, Adam. I just really am grateful for both of you. You know, I've, I've thought of both of you um, in my life when I go, is, is it possible to actually get a bunch done, move the needle, and walk with Jesus? And uh, I've thought about both of you guys through the years, so thank you. Uh, and then, Adam, just for those that are, you know, that are leading, I, I know um, they've got a lot to do. Uh, tomorrow when they wake up and the tendency is going to be to say, I'm going to get up early and get a jump uh, on this. And I just, I always come back to Luther's quote, I've got so much to do today that I've got to spend three hours uh, in prayer. Now, I, I don't know how the math works uh, <laughs> on that. He didn't have 24-7 email, so I, I know he didn't uh, have that. But um, 
But he's right. Pastors, church leaders, you've got so much to do. You can't afford not to tend to your own soul. And it really is the most important leadership category. So strategy, uh, vision, culture, all the things we talk about a lot of times uh, on this podcast are absolutely secondary issues to leading your own self spiritually. And so uh, it's the best gift you can give your congregation is to lead yourself uh, spiritually. And so I hope some folks really kind of have some candid conversations uh, with their teams uh, about this topic. Well, if you have any questions or comments about today's episode, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you all again next time.